Cool. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, welcome to the Nelson Patan podcast. Today I've got a very, very special guest and uh, this is our take three of the podcast and uh, his name is MJ Khan. Hey Nelson, thank you so much for inviting me over to your show. Uh, fantastic podcast. I went through your archives, had a listen to some of them and really honored to be on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. And, and and thank you for joining on as well. You know, we've had a, a fair share of uh, technical issues. So, um, as uh, some of you may know, you know, MJ is quite, uh, is, should I say notorious or infamous in, in, in the marketing game? What would you prefer to be uh, <laughs> monikered as? <laughs> the, the brown digital marketing specialist, you know, I, I think let's let's carve that up to many of us there. <laughs> it's like a really cool catchphrase. So, so MJ, so tell me, let, let, let's go back a couple of years, right? And the last time we saw each other was a very, very long time ago. And uh, like you mentioned last night, it was actually on, on the set of uh, a rather cult movie classic uh, that we were both involved in. Yeah, it was the uh, set of The Attack of the Indian Werewolf, the brainchild of comedian Masood Bumgard. And um, it was a really fun time, I think, just being on that project because it's sort of these days you know we call these things passion projects but what we really mean is there's someone with no budget that wants to do something and they see it through and it's just a, a bunch of friends coming together and, and sort of having fun choosing a movie and not realizing uh, the impact it would have i mean it's it's become this sort of pop culture phenomenon that just uh, i haven't been able to get rid of for the last 10 years <laughs> You know, I think I absolutely echo that sentiment. So earlier this morning, uh, I went on to Facebook and as as it tends to happen, like on a weekly basis, somebody tags me on it and says, dude, this was this is so epic. Uh, when are you doing it again? And this was viral before viral was a thing. And I was like, I've also spent the last maybe 10 to 12 years trying not to be <laughs> um, because that's just they see me now. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, uh, I, I cringe at, at some of my stuff as well. I mean, not the acting, of course, that's that's cringeworthy by default. Uh, I cringe just by my profanity. So about five years ago, I decided I'm not going to swear anymore. And part of that is because um, of sort of my position and I want to be uh, seen. But also, I think it's maturity on my side. So if I go back and watch that, and I'm swearing a lot in that movie. It just it just makes me cringe sometimes. But you know, not to take away from it, it was a fun experience at the time. Absolutely, and I think what I've always been amazed with is the, the longevity of it because it didn't really kick off uh, when the movie launched. I think it it almost happened like a year or so later, and I would go out to like the gym, and this dude would be like, "Hey, what you doing here?" And I'm like, um, "I kind of chain here, bro." And he was like, "No, you know, from the movie, that video, and you know, like, okay, this is happening." And uh, and from then it's just been um, trying not to look like uh, the character in the movie. <laughs> but uh, that, okay, you, know, uh, you know, going back a long time, you know, you've always been a, a strong marketing guy. And um, so, uh, as you mentioned yesterday, you know, you got quite involved with it, and you, and you navigate from agency into client face. Um, what's that transition been like? Oh, so yeah, so I I made the jump uh, just under six years ago, and for me, extremely gratifying. Uh, look, I, I used to enjoy a lot of my agency experiences, and the beautiful thing about agency is, is you get to work across a number of industries and sectors. So, you know, one day I'd be writing an ad for Durex condoms, and then the next day, Sun International will be launching an online betting uh, betting program. So I'll have to think about that. 
So, so Asian life gives you that variety, and and because you're surrounded by your sort of agency partners and your peers, it really keeps you sharp and focused on like what's happening in strategy, what's happening in in uh, SEO, search engine optimization, and the other aspects of digital marketing. So, so that was quite quite a lot of fun back in the agency days. But when I made the shift over to client side, um, it really is where I found perhaps my purpose and my meaning. To the point where now I think I'll never go back to agency. Uh, it's just so much more refreshing for me to be on client side. And I think there's like three three reasons why I like client side a lot more. Um, the first reason is when you're in an agency, you know, it's often uh, you're in pitch mode all the time, you know, trying to get new clients. And, and that's all after hours work. And, and the truth is, you don't win a lot of pitches, you know, it's like, uh, for whatever reason, either uh, your creative is misaligned or uh, they were going to go with another agency or whatever it is, you know, you, you don't normally get the work. And at the end of the year, you don't sit with a portfolio of all the pitches you've lost, you know, that's all work that you don't really get to capture. Whereas now uh, where I am, if I'm working weekends, if I'm working at night, no matter what I'm doing, I'm building my legacy. And I, I, I love that. Absolutely. So, so on that topic, um, yeah, we'll, go, we'll go a little bit off script now. Um, how is the agency model changing? Because I, I've noticed, I mean, both from my interactions with the agency and of course the kind of running my own, is that the entire agency model is shifting, but nobody knows how it's shifting. Uh, everyone's kind of speculating, you need to be this, you need to be that. But from what I've realized, I think the, the most important thing is that the role of agency is shifting. It's not as if the agency is not necessary anymore, but it's how they integrate themselves into the brand. I mean, how, how, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so when I started uh, just under two decades ago, it was a lot cleaner because you either had your full service agencies and it was above the line, or you had your below the line agencies, you had your different specialists. And it was very simple to know sort of, this is the agency I'm going to go to. And these are the uh, line items I'd like from them. And and most of what happened was outsourced. So you had a client interface that was largely an account manager of sorts, you know, not to say you didn't have great marketing minds at client side. It was just more likely that agencies would be custodians of the brand and own certain experiences. About seven or eight years ago, that's... And, yeah. and we almost, we like totally left them alone to do it and we just waited. Uh, sorry, what was that? I was saying like in, in those days, we'd almost like, hey, bring an agency and then you guys go off with it and we'll just wait till you're back with an idea. But it, it's changed. Oh, 100%. And that really was that, you know, the, the power dynamic was on the agency side and, and the agency would come up with these great campaigns, client would sign off and, you know, let's hope we win an award or two. Uh, and then it shifted. So, so then digital came around and digital became the, the new buzzword for everything. And agencies had to decide either they go out and acquire a digital agency, so they go and absorb it, or they try and develop those skills in-house. And for some of us who've been in the digital game for a while, that was an exciting time because either you worked for a really cool digital agency or you were just waiting to be acquired by a traditional agency that could just, you know, uh, throw some money, get some bodies in, and then start offering digital as a service. And that was about five or six years ago. And, and you know, interesting times, uh, there was a level of concentration. And now we're in this age where, where agencies are, are fighting for a, a seat at the table with managing management consulting firms. So all of a sudden, Deloitte is a player in the game. Accenture 
is coming to the party and your traditional management consultant are now coming in with digital expertise and and clients are starting to appreciate that because those structures come with a level of maybe um, HR and a level of sort of more jargon that you like. Better understanding as well, right? The agency tend to wear that creative hat and probably never understood sometimes the intricacies of it. Yeah, and, and, and that's sort of coming to light these days, you know. And the truth is, it's always been there. So Ogilvy said that, you know, a couple of decades ago, that a good ad is an ad that sells. And, and if you're not selling, your ad's not good. So your creativity is linked intrinsically to your ability to sell your ability to meet business objectives. And, and if the agencies are doing that, I mean, if they're creating a great piece of work, but it doesn't move the dial, then simply put, it's ineffective. And I think that's the realization these days, especially as businesses are looking to save costs. You know, they're looking to optimize. They're looking to do less of the rah-rah, look at us, and more of the, what are we actually doing to make sure that we're viable? And, and that's a, that's a very exciting um, comment, Andy. Because like the, the way I look at it as well is that you know with the emergence of performance marketing and you know with the, the debt by KPI movement that seems to be happening is a little bit of romance gone uh, when it comes to like advertising. Now I'm noticing it as well. So so the bane of digital really is this uh, focus on measurement. And the problem is when you get too fixated on on measurements, what happens is you cut out the warm and fuzzies, which is why. You don't get a lot of adverts that that resonate in terms of oh this is a great emotional hook because everything is geared towards converting you know what's our cost per click and and what's our kpi what's our click through rate and and the problem with that is you do sometimes sacrifice the creativity so it is a delicate balance and and it's something to notice i think the other thing as well is sometimes we get a little too fixated because there's so much to measure that we're not really measuring the right things so on a perspective i might be measuring for example the the cost per clicks right and if i start getting fixated on my cost per click going down but not really understanding whether you know it's a quality audience that i'm developing then i'm wasting my time and i think that's part of the challenge as well is the siloed mentality that celebrates areas as opposed to celebrate what are we doing for the business correct and, and the collective brand lift that sometimes uh digital attribution is, is, is months longer sometimes. You know, we're always looking at this month's results and did we beat last month's results? And sometimes even the, the, the story is longer, like you were saying. But, but are you touching something very important? You said that moving from agency to client, uh, sorry, the agency into corporate side and, and uh, non-client facing, that you almost developed a little bit more of, of a sense of purpose, right? And in terms of purpose in like the macro right now and everything that's happening in the world, purpose has become important. For hmm. right? uh, I, th- I think so. Uh, if- so, so purpose was something that was ideal, you know, the old Simon Sinek idea of, you know, start with why. But now more than ever, I believe purpose is being called to question by consumers. So brands always like try to have purpose, you know, at its simplest form, purpose is, you know, make money. But, but what more can a brand offer? You know, what more should a brand do? And that's a really interesting space. I mean, we're seeing it as well with perhaps the realization that state entities don't have power as much as before. So a typical example 
is if you look at um, traditional stakeholder relations, if there's a community somewhere and that community has uh, a brand nearby, so a facility or whatever, the interface would typically be government. So the brand would then, uh, you know, do corporate social investment that links to local government partners or whatever it is. The communities will channel their their frustration if they have any or their anger or their desires and needs through to local government and local government will go to brand. But these, these days, if community is upset, a community will go to the brand directly. There's no interface now that's going to stop someone who uh, believes, you know, there should be employment opportunities from standing outside the gates of a company from doing that. And that's part of the shift of the power is is communities are no longer, and brands are no longer using uh, state entities as buffers, I think. So that's one of those interesting uh, changes that we're seeing happen. And the, and the damage is almost like in real time. I mean, that's how that's how sensitive it is. How 100%. And I mean, so we've always had a level of misinformation and disinformation. And because of the onset of, you know, digital technology, you're seeing a lot more. So, so people's propensity to disseminate, you know, uh, any form of information is so much higher now because because of digital, you can go and find like-minded people. So a rumor that spreads in the 80s about a brand, say for example, an aspirin brand that causes uh, you know terrible side effects. The effect of that in the 21st century is so much higher because brands are, are so much more sort of available to scrutiny. And like so, so if we're saying purpose is one of those things, you know, that 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 is sticking to the wall, as it were. And I, I'm in very much the same space, as it were, in terms of you know the, the what's next. And you know, we all we all know about AR and VR and IoT and the, the, the entire spectrum of things. If I had to give you a hundred rand tomorrow, um, where would you? So say you could just give me a hundred rand tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> metaphorically, how would you? This is after I go to spa and have the wings, right? But. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and excluding information in the whole story. So, so for me, <laughs> when, when we when we sort of talk about or, or the, the next phase, you know, the four IR stuff, right? The fourth industrial revolution stuff, and and we start getting into like the ideas of big data and and augmented reality and virtual reality. Yeah. Everything for me is a gimmick unless it improves the customer experience. And tomorrow, I would put that into understanding how do I improve my customer experience as opposed to saying which technology do I just go and get because it's the latest thing out there. And sometimes we need to sit, sit it out, you know? 100%. Yeah. And uh, I, I was saying to a degree, it's also up to uh, the level of appetite of the consumer as well. Um, if I remember, I think going back a couple of years, Apple Tars did that really cool uh, augmented reality stuff. And that was a big noisemaker and uh, newsworthy for us in, in the space. But I think consumers were kind of like, eh, it's cool. And uh, I think even I mentioned it to, um, to a couple of my colleagues recently, the, the PS5 launch. Uh, I thought there'd be a lot more VR involved in there straight out of default from the comfort, but it seems like a lot of these things are, there's like Gartner's trough of disillusionment, you know, like what's going to and, and that's really important in terms of who's actually pushing for change, you know, um, is it the brands themselves or is it consumers? And the one thing, like, for example, if you're going to talk about PlayStation 5 is, um, let me go to my laptop, I'm uh, locking itself. Can you still hear me? 
wonderful so if we talk about something like the playstation 5 launch and the lessons there so sony took a big bet on on virtual reality right and they invested a lot of money in playstation vr for the current generation the playstation 4 and then what they realized is the adoption rate was, was quite low because uh you know technology is moving at this rapid rate but cultural latency or our ability to absorb that change is still very and because of that they, you see them sort of downplaying the value of it going forward and and it's, and it's not just a problem with Sony you know yeah. Microsoft had the exact same thing so we launched the Xbox One about six to seven years ago a very big push for the Kinect their camera and they've phase that out because yeah. you sort of say here's where we want the industry to go but ultimately the consumer is going to decide and they're going to dictate so it comes back from a brand perspective you know make things people want rather than make people want things awesome man i think very very well said and mj i think you know we're, we're going to close up now but again and uh, awesome to have you on and education as always. And I think my, my last comment is, if someone wants to be the next MJ, you know, to, to, to head up uh, the marketing and digital for a, a large blue chip corporate, you know, what's the journey they take now? It's changed from nowadays, you know? Um, you know, I, I, always, I always relate the story to a lot of people that when I was starting off in design and brand and, and things like that, the idea of there being a role of community management was so far-fetched. That, you know, if, if, if I almost have to pinch myself someday to remember all oh, these people just do Facebook. You know, um, what what would be the career path for somebody looking? Um, at so the advice I could give anybody who's sort of wanted to get into uh, the comm space is uh, I cut my teeth in community radio, and that's really where I got an opportunity to start writing ads, to conceptualize marketing campaigns and things like that. So while you're studying. Go out there, look for small NGOs, look for community broadcasting platforms that, that could use your assistance and get, get your experience like that there, you know, build that portfolio up. So, so do a lot of that. Number two, uh, try and expose yourself to as much as possible. I think part of the challenge with social media these days is it's very easy to create these echo chambers and, and to rely much on, on sort of... Uh, you know, uh, a, a, a sense of bias or confirmation, bias confirmation. So, so get out of your comfort zone, try and read more widely and don't get too fixated on marketing without uh, without understanding business. So understand what a business needs to do, understand what the business objectives are and then use marketing to apply for that. And and perhaps the last thing I would say, and, and I tell this to my, all my colleagues as well. So best practice for the brand that I work for is what's best for the brand I work for. Because if you Google practice, you're going to get a whole lot of stuff of what works for other brands. You know, you're going to see what Nando's does. And that's great. That's what's best for Nando's. You're going to see what's good for uh, a telecom, a Sony PlayStation, and that's what's best for them. So instead of trying to imitate all the other brands, you know, try and figure out what's best for your brand. What can you do? What can you measure yourself by and, and work on that so that you run your own race? I think perfectly said, MJ. It's so important for a brand to stay true to its DNA now, you know, instead of trying to be something else. And, and people can see through that, you know, brands are, are authentic like people now. People are treating them like that. And, uh, uh, Mr. Khan, one more time, thank you so much. Uh, how can my wonderful listeners get a hold of you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd love to plug all my stuff. So, uh, my online username, my social media username is uh, concerningmj. That's a bit of a 
inspiration I took from Tolkien uh, when he wrote The Hobbit. You know, the first chapter was concerning hobbits. So I really like that. So I took on concerning MJ. And you're going to find me, you know, at concerning MJ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it. Everything except Snapchat. A bit uncomfortable with that. But I, I do have an account there. But I'm trying to build a lot more of my thought leadership on LinkedIn. So you can connect there it's mj khan or as i said before just search for concerning mj and all my stuff will pop up awesome stuff bro i'm, I'm gonna look out for those tiktok videos because i think that's that's a problem i've got to tiktok is uh, tiktok's a problem for uh, us uh, those of us coming out of <laughs> no doubt this is overwhelming and daunting i think for all of us at our age uh, well, one of the things i'm going to try with the tiktok stuff is maybe i'm just going to brand my tiktok content around social media tips for small business so i'm really enjoying that these days is trying to figure out little things that can help small businesses like i'm playing around with whatsapp code and api at the moment just to see how can we integrate more of the business features for the guy who's selling you know face masks or ice cream or whatever it is and that's really where i want to spend a lot of my off time these days is just helping small businesses Thanks, MJ. It's been awesome. And uh, best of luck in your, in your, your future ventures. And, uh, uh, I appreciate this, Nesson. Have a great day and we must catch up soon. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Take care, bro.